Amen. You can be seated. Happy Easter and welcome to Radiant. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and take them out and turn to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28. If you don't have a Bible this morning, there should be one on the seat back somewhere there in front of you. And Matthew, is, Matthew 28 is right at uh, page 784 in those Bibles. Life is full of celebrations. Uh, we celebrate for a lot of different reasons. Uh, we celebrate sporting events, the World Cup, the Super Bowl. A couple of us celebrated the NCAA championship this year. <clears throat> we celebrate New Year's, we celebrate new jobs and retirements and weddings and graduations and birthdays. And we celebrate in a lot of different ways too, with parties and trips and balloons and gifts and my favorite cake. Today, we celebrate that Jesus is risen. All other celebrations in our lives should pale in comparison. Death is defeated and he is victorious. And that is cause for an extravagant celebration. And it's not, a, it's not a one day thing either. This is a celebration that's meant to carry over into our everyday lives. And it's a celebration that will continue for all of eternity. Why? Why is Easter such a big deal? Why is it such a big deal to Christians? Why is it such a big deal to Radiant Bible Church? Why do we celebrate it so big? One word, hope, hope. You see, the whole of the Christian faith hinges on the resurrection, all of it, everything. First uh, Corinthians chapter 15 says this, if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain. It's useless. And your faith is in vain. See, the, the cross by itself is an incomplete understanding of the gospel. If he is still in the tomb, then there is no hope. But thankfully, a few verses later in 1 Corinthians 15, it says, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. We have hope in countless ways because of the, the truth of the resurrection of the Son of God. And today, I wanna highlight just three of those hopes, three reasons why we can celebrate. The first one is this, because of the resurrection, we know he is who he says he is, and he does what he says he will do. Because of the resurrection, we can have hope that he is exactly who he says he is, and he does exactly what he says he will do. Look down at Matthew chapter 28. We're gonna start in verse one. It says this, now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and he came and he rolled back the stone and he sat on it. I love that because Jesus is already gone. He's just opening up the tomb so everybody can see it. 
Verse three, and his appearance was like lightning. His clothing was white as snow and for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, don't be afraid for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He's not here. He has risen as he said. Come and see the place where he lay and then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee and there you will see him. See, I've told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy. And they ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and he said, greetings. And they came up and they took hold of his feet and they worshiped him. And then Jesus said to them, don't be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee and there they will see me. A few facts from this passage of scripture. The first one is in verse five, look down there. It says, don't be afraid for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. Fact number one, Jesus was crucified, period. Like we, we talked about this last week. This is not a Jesus lookalike that died on the cross. He, he didn't just faint after being injured a little. He was tortured by the world's best torturers, the Romans. He was hung on a cross. He was pierced with a spear. He yielded up his spirit. He died. He was buried. He was put in a tomb. A stone was rolled over the entrance of that tomb. And now it is guarded by soldiers. He was crucified. Fact number one. Fact number two from this passage. Look down again there at verse six. The angel said, you seek Jesus who was crucified. Verse six, but he's not here. He has risen. Fact two, he has risen. He was crucified, but he has risen. Look how many times he refers to this in this passage. He has risen. Then verse seven, go quickly and tell his disciples, he has risen from the dead. End of that verse, there you will see him because he has risen. Verse nine, Jesus met them in person. Then he talks to them, then they came to him. They actually took hold of his feet and worshiped him, which means it wasn't some vision. It wasn't a ghost. This was Jesus bodily risen in the flesh. And then at the end of verse 10, he says, go tell the brothers to meet me in Galilee. And again, they will see me there. The angels, Mary and Mary, which by the way, sounds like some musical group, the disciples and the guards are all testifying here to what has happened, a miraculous event called the resurrection. In fact, so much so that look down at verse 11 here through 15, while they were going, behold, some of the guards went into the the city and told the chief priests all that had taken place. I would have loved to hear that conversation. And when they had assembled with the elders and taken counsel, they gave a sufficient sum of money to the soldiers. And they said, tell people, his disciples came by night and stole him away while we were asleep. And if this comes to the governor's ears, we'll satisfy him and we'll keep you out of trouble. So they took the money and did as they were directed. And this story has been spread among the Jews to this day. These soldiers were so convinced of what they had witnessed, they had to be bribed in order to tell a different story. 
He was crucified. He is risen. Next fact we see in this passage is this. Jesus predicted, Jesus predicted all of this. Every bit of it. Look down at verse six. He's not here. He has risen. And then there's these three words. As he said. As he said he would. Back in Matthew 16, it says, from that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem, suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and the scribes, and be killed, and on the third day be raised. In John chapter two, we see Jesus saying, destroy this temple, the temple of my body, and in three days, I will raise it up. And then he did exactly that. He did exactly what he said he would do. He would rise from the dead. But you might go, but how, Nate? Okay, he did what he said he was gonna do, but how can he rise from the dead? He can rise from the dead because of who he is. He's the son of God. Last week in Matthew 26, we saw Jesus before the high priest. And the high priest says to him, tell us, tell us if you are the Christ, the son of God. And Jesus said to him, you've said so. (laughs) But I tell you, from now on, you will see the son of man seated at the right hand of power the Father, coming on the clouds of heaven. And what's the high priest do? He he says, blasphemy. Why? Because he knows exactly what Jesus is claiming. Okay, think with me here for a second. Jesus claimed repeatedly through the gospels to be the Messiah, the Son of God, divine, incarnate, which means in the flesh, the second person of the triune God. There's no coming back from that. Like that's a publicity nightmare. Once you've claimed to be God, there's no reeling that back in. That ship has sailed, right? So because of that claim, you just, now you just can't be a good guy anymore. You, you, you can't be a, just a teacher, a religious leader. You can't just be some sandal-wearing spiritual guru that gets us and says, be kind and get along. It's not that anymore. It's too late for that. There are two options. Option one, either he is who he says he is, the Christ, the son of the living God, Or option two, he is a raving lunatic. That's it. Those are the only choices. Either he is God or he is a babbling madman set on being a cult leader. You're like, okay, which is it? Because we've had thousands of people over thousands of years claiming to be the Messiah. What's the difference? Here's the difference. They're all still in the tomb. That's the difference. He proves, he demonstrates his identity. He's vindicated by rising from the dead. Romans 1.4 says, the son 
was declared to be the son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness, how? By his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. Look down at verse nine and see how his disciples respond to him. They come up, they take hold of his feet and what do they do? They worship him. Why? Because now they recognize exactly who he is. There is hope. There is hope because the resurrection shows us that Jesus is exactly who he said he was. And he does exactly what he promises he will do. Second thing this morning is because of the resurrection, we now know that he is able to raise us from the dead also. Because of the resurrection, we know he's able to raise us from the dead also in verse nine, where they're worshiping him. I think one of the reasons they're, they're worshiping here is because they're beginning to grasp what Jesus has accomplished through his death and resurrection. Because he's been raised from the dead, he is able to raise us first uh, spiritually. Ephesians chapter two, if you're a fast turner, you can flip over there, but otherwise just listen to these verses. Ephesians chapter two, verse one says, you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and we were all by nature children deserving of wrath like the rest of mankind. You might be here, you might be like, wait, raised from the dead spiritually. Nate, you don't, you don't know me. You don't know how lost I am. You don't know what I've, I've done. I'm too far gone. I've sinned too much. You're right. I don't know you. But I do know this, you can't get any worse than dead. That's as, as bad as it, it gets. And scripture teaches us that before knowing Jesus, we're all dead spiritually. We're sinners by nature. That means we have inherited sin because of the sin of Adam. We're sinners by choice. We choose to do what is displeasing to the Lord and against his law. And we, we deserve only the just wrath, the just judgment of God for our rebellion against him. And apart from Jesus, we are, we're unable to do or even desire to do what is pleasing to him or to reconcile ourselves to a holy God. But it doesn't stop there. Verse four says, but God, being rich in mercy 
because of the great love with which he loved us. Listen to the resurrection language in this. Even when we were dead in our trespasses and sins, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. And he raised us up with him and he seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages, we, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace, you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It is a gift of God not a result of works so that no one may boast. John 3, 16, listen to this verse. This verse gets thrown around in all kinds of ways in our, in our world and we, we miss the power of it. God loved the world in this way. He gave. He gave his one and only son so that whoever believes in him will not perish but will have eternal life. Romans 5, 8, God demonstrates his love for us and that while we were still sinners, while we were still dead in our trespasses and sins, Christ died for us. You see, Jesus lived the perfect life that you and I are incapable of living. And then he died on the cross in our place, he paid our penalty. He was our perfect, spotless, substitutionary sacrifice. And then he rose from the dead in victory over sin and death and Satan. And because he does what he says he will do, God promises he will save you if you will turn from your sins and place your trust in Jesus for salvation. If you're here today and you don't know that you are a child of God, you don't know that you're a Christian, I wanna call you today to receive. Stop working for it. Receive his free gift of salvation and be raised from spiritual death to eternal life. You're like, Nate, how do I do that? How do I do that? Romans 10, which you'll see on the screen, tells us exactly what to do. It says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, that he is a king, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. For with the heart, one believes and is justified, justified, declared right with God. And with the mouth, one confesses and is saved for everyone. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Today, right now, in your place between you and God, you can be like, I recognize that you are Lord. I believe that you were raised from the dead. I need you as my savior. Would you save me? And he says, he will do that. And you will walk out of here today with us, chosen, forgiven, loved, redeemed, changed, filled with God's spirit and sent, capable of living this life for his glory with meaning and purpose. We have hope because he is able 
to raise us from the dead, not only spiritually, but also bodily in the future. See, we know that there is life after death. Not because someone wrote a book about a near-death experience and a bright light at the end of a tunnel. We know that there is life after death because Jesus rose from the dead. 1 Corinthians 15 again says, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. He is the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as in Adam, all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive, but each in his own order. Christ, the first fruits, and then at his coming, those who belong to Christ. When Jesus returns, we will be raised and we will receive new resurrection bodies and there'll be no more death, no more sorrow, no more pain, no more sickness and we will get to spend eternity with him and all believers across all time. There's hope because he is able to raise us from the dead, both spiritually and bodily. The last reason this morning that we're gonna look at, because of the resurrection, because of the resurrection, he sends us on a mission and empowers us for it. Because of the resurrection, he sends us on mission and empowers us for it. I love this, this hope that we see here in this passage didn't just stay with this small group of Jesus's disciples. It spread. It spread across the world and it spread across the generations. Look down here at verse 16 in Matthew 28. It says, now the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and he said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus comes now, resurrected Jesus, and says, all authority is mine. The king has all of the authority. And since he is the king, we properly yield to him as the king of the universe. And then he gives them a command. Our king gives us a mission. He sends us to make disciples, to multiply followers of him. Realize this isn't just my calling that I get to proclaim the good news to you and the hope of the resurrection. This is your calling too. This is our calling. We get the joy as his followers of spending our lives spreading the hope 
of the resurrection to the ends of the earth. We get to proclaim this hope in our families, to our spouses, to our kids, to our friends, to our coworkers, to complete strangers. And the beauty of this passage too is that we don't do it alone. We don't do it in our, in our own power. Christ says he empowers us for this mission. Look at that last verse in Matthew. Teach them to observe all that I've commanded you and behold, see, pay attention to this. I am with you always to the end of the age. We have the promise of his power in his presence. We get to go with him. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead, God's spirit, is now in us, helping us and working in us and through us for the spread of the gospel. And just think about that for the second. Because of the hope of the resurrection, we're never alone. Ever. He says, I am with you. How much? How often? Always. Our lives are endowed by God with meaning and significance as we get the privilege of joining him in his redemptive mission in the world. God's means of spreading the hope of the resurrection is his church. It's us. That's our role that we get to play by the power of God's spirit in us. We get to be the ones that spread this hope around the world. I mean, think about this, 2000 years have passed. Generation after generation, this hope has spread. How? Through God's people, by his spirit, in his word. You are here today, if you are in Christ, because someone obeyed God's command. And now we get to be that for others because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Why do we celebrate Easter? Not only today, but every day and for all of eternity because of the hope of the resurrection. Because we know, because he is raised from the dead, that he is who he says he is. We know he is trustworthy and does what he says he will do because he has raised us from spiritual death to eternal life. And now he gives us a glorious purpose of living on mission for him and spreading hope in a hopeless world. I wanna call us here as we close out this service together to worship. I wanna call us to an extravagant worship. 
I don't know. I don't know how you come to this service today. I don't know what you brought in with you this morning. I don't know what weight you're carrying, what sorrow, what struggles, what pain. Here's what I do know. The resurrection of Jesus Christ speaks a glorious hope into all of it. And for the next 15 minutes, I wanna ask you, by faith, to lift your eyes up off of your current situation and your struggles and your fears and your failures and instead fix them on Jesus Christ. Fix them on the truth of who he is and what he has accomplished on our behalf. Fix them on his beauty and together let's worship. Let's proclaim his worth with everything you've got. And maybe for you today, that looks like joyfully singing, clapping your hands, dancing before the Lord. Maybe for you today, that looks like on your knees before him in repentance. Maybe everything you've got today looks like words of truth whispered through tears of sorrow. But whatever you've got, let's offer it to the Lord as a sacrifice of worship. And let's lift high the name of our crucified, risen, and reigning Savior, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, our living hope. Father, thank you. Thank you for the hope of the resurrection, Lord. Thank you for raising us from spiritual death to spiritual life. Would we never tire of hearing of your worth and what you have accomplished. May we never tire of celebrating you. Would you help us even this morning to do that extravagantly, Lord? There is so many different situations that are represented in our midst this morning. People coming with different hurts, and sin struggles, fears, questions. Lord, would you help us in this moment to lift our eyes up off of ourselves and to place them, to fix them firmly on you and your beauty, Lord. Would we cling to your promises? 
would we cling to the hope of our identity that we are forgiven, we are forgiven. There is no more shame. You have covered it all with your shed blood. We are redeemed, we are chosen, we have hope. The pain in our bodies even will not be for all of eternity, Lord, because you will raise us from the dead even bodily and give us new ones so that we can worship you even more in eternity. Lord, if there's anyone in our midst this morning who doesn't know that they are a follower of you, would you do business in them this morning and would they see you for who you are? Would they turn from their sins and chase after you with everything that they have? Lord, revive in us afresh awe of you for who you are and what you have done. You are our hope. We love you in your precious name. Amen.